Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community and communities create social change. I'm David Peck and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with C.J. Hunt, and he has made a new film called The Neutral Ground. You're going to want to see this. It's it's coming up at the Tribeca Film Festival. It's going to be there, um, I think, for about 10, 12 days, something along those lines. It's going to be on PBS sometime in July of this year. I'm sure it's going to be on video on demand at some point. It's a film you're going to want to see. You're going to want to see it because, uh, well, I learned a ton. From this film. I also laughed out loud. This is a film that brings uh, comedy and real life and the absurd together in a way that is thoughtful and meaningful. And I think it's going to uh, change the conversation. Um, as CJ and I had a great time. I hope he did. I, I had a great time. I hope CJ did as well. Uh, you're going to find out why CJ sort of leans toward large microphones. And I'm just going to let that one sit. But you are going to want to listen in. Hopefully, I've already got you hooked in some way. Uh, this is a film about um, America. It's about North America. It's really about the globe. And uh, check out the trailer online. You can find it on the PBS website. I'm sure that it's uh, it's uh, out there in other places as well. But like I said, it's a, a real uh, thoughtful and fun um, commentary on race in um, America. Uh, we we talk about uh, hope. We talk about cynicism and 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 why it it matters to tell the truth. And we talk about uh, history. Uh, and we talk about a, a a better understanding of of history. We talk about worldview and and about ideology and about this thing called white supremacy. And I think CJ gives a beautiful uh, definition of 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 really what it's all about. And and so often it seems to me, you know, I've got this love for for philosophy and as some of my listeners will know, uh, and, and it really does come down to definition. And so what I think is so beautiful about uh, what started out for CJ as a five, as he says, a five to 10 minute um, satirical piece uh, that he might use on a show like The Daily Show, which he's a, a producer on, by the way, a uh, little shout out for The Daily Show. And also there's a shout out to li- librarians as well. And so um, you're, you're, there you go. There's a few shout outs going on in, in this interview. Um, but but it's a, this, is, this is a conversation about education and it's about, it's about the future. 
and and it's also wow is it ever about the present as well but it really is about this hope in the future and this beautiful line that cj uses it's about being out uh, honest it's it's being about out loud and it's being in public so honest out loud in public and uh i hope you're gonna listen into the interview to find out more about what what cj means there but also uh, gonna check out the film the neutral ground uh, i had so much fun with this i hope i can say that cj but uh, it really was a lot of fun and boy i learned a ton and it uh, peeled back a few layers for me about what's going on uh, in the real world uh, don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my writing and, and my speaking and, and my podcasting you can find it all there under the one umbrella now face-to-facelive.ca is going to take you there but um, lots coming up, and uh, this this uh, you can find out about uh, my uh, copy of my book, Real Changes Incremental. But also, um, you can advertise with us. I mean, there's so many things. Sign up for the newsletter, but please, please leave us a review. That it just changes everything. An iTunes or Spotify review can go a long way. So um, yeah, stay tuned. Don't touch the dial. Uh, coming right up, uh, CJ Hunt talking about his uh, new film, The Neutral Ground. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We are joined by a very special guest here with us today, and 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 oddly, we are digitally face to face as per usual over the last oh, I guess what is it now? Twenty two months in this crazy COVID era we live in. CJ Hunt is here with us today to talk about his, in my opinion, brilliant, fun, engaging, thoughtful new film, The Neutral Ground. And I've got to read the subtitle. But CJ, how about you say hello uh, to hello, our listeners? Hello, David. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's yeah, great to apparent- be here. I hope my dad is listening. Dad, you see, other people think that I'm brilliant and and good, and you know they have the courage to tell me. They they have the courage to tell <laughs> me. Know. Very funny, Dad. Uh, take note, and I love that he yeah. makes it into the film. By the way, and one of the more one of the more beautiful sort of human comedic moments, as far as I'm concerned. So so CJ, let's be clear. This is a documentary about memory, monuments, and how to break up. With the confederacy is that uh, in short the, the the that's not only is that the subtitle but is that a, a good starting point for us yeah i think that's a good starting point you know i am a comedian i was about to say i'm a comedian <laughs> by training that's right my yes. credits my degree no um <laughs> that is what i've spent most of my life doing being a comedian and and making satire but i think it is helpful in understanding the confederacy because i think we all have had relationships in the past that we struggled to be really honest about. Breakups that happened a long time ago that were not fully over. Weirdly, we kept all their stuff. We kept it in the living room. And now it's kind of weird that we've held on to it. Uh, And I think that that's a helpful analogy for how we deal with this nation that once seceded from us, where we kept their stuff and we don't necessarily tell an honest story about what that relationship broke up over. Yeah, I I, I gotta be honest with you, I've got, so, so I'm a bit of an academic, you know, I mm-hmm. majored in By philosophy. Training? Yeah. I've got notes all over my desk. I don't even, I got post-it notes up on my screen here. I don't know where to start. Like I learned so much from this film. I mean, I'm glad, you know, the, the fact that, you know, you, you tell us out of the gate, you wanted to be a middle school teacher, uh, you know, and I think you say something like you were going to start as a middle school teacher and then become a comedian, which I just find hysterical. Uh, um, that in itself is pretty, pretty humorous. But can you tell me a little bit more about this? Because, you know, it, it, I didn't feel like I was being preached to in any way. It was fun. It was it was horrifying at points, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And yet uh, in, in, in incredibly thoughtful. And, and as I said, I, just, I learned a ton. 
Yeah, yeah. I I think it is. I wanted to make a movie that was fun, a movie that felt pop culture and really accessible and digestible to everyone. Because when you say, "Hey, let's David, why don't you come over? Let's watch a watch a documentary," I think people's first reaction is like, "Oh, I got to steal myself. I got to get ready to be sad or depressed or you know to go on a harrowing or, or journey." Worse, convicted. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's like, am I who, what musicians am I going to have to stop listening to because I realize that they're monsters, you know? So I think that people feel like they need to gear up for a documentary, especially when you say, Hey, I made a documentary about the Confederacy and the legacy of slavery and how it still haunts us. It's like, Oh my God. Um, but I wanted to make a movie that didn't feel like it had that barrier uh, of entry and felt like we could ride in on things that are funny and and sort of a, a voice that can carry you somewhere. And then once you're on the ride, then you're like, ooh, we are learning some heavy, harrowing stuff about America. So yeah, uh, I, so I that's what you, we... Yeah. What, what, so one thing I just want to get out of the uh, off the plate right away is why did you use such a big microphone? Any, any reason for that is... <laughs> Because <laughs> it's got to be one of the biggest. You know, I want the seen. hard. This is the hard hitting questions, David. You know, this is the thing that other interviewers are afraid to ask. Um, yeah. I mean, the film starts in 2015, yeah. and uh, I'm using such a big microphone because I don't know anything about film. So I had asked my <laughs> cameraman, "Hey, can we just take the mic off the top of the camera and maybe I hold nice. it like an interviewer?" And I like, he was it. like that. Doesn't work. And he was like, "And I was like, no, trust me, it'll work." And it, it did not. Work. It like busted half of our interviews. But in 2015, I was a comedian who did not know anything about filmmaking. I had um, been living in New Orleans for about eight years. Yep. I grew up, you know, in New England, uh, learning that the Civil War was about slavery, which is true. Uh, spoiler. <laughs> Um, but I moved to New major Orleans spoiler. after major spoiler guys. I had moved to New Orleans after graduation to become a middle school teacher. I stayed on and taught, you know, once my kids were like, you are not good at this. I then taught, uh, after school, I taught comedy after school. I was becoming a comedian. I was working for the public defender and really just as a day job. And then at night, just really trying to become a comedian. So in 2015, you know, after the massacre in Charleston, where Dylan Roof massacred nine people in a church. The whole country was asking, what are we going to do with these leftovers of the Confederacy? And New Orleans, our white mayor, Mitch Landrieu, um, said, hey, we're going to take down four Confederate monuments. And the comedian that I was at the time, I was like, ooh, this would make a fun piece. Like, let right. me make like a five to 10 minute, you know, short. late night, short field piece about people who think that moving a monument somehow destroys history. It'll be easy. I'll go in. I'll film the meeting. I'll film some people outside with my big microphone. They'll scream and shout about how we're destroying history and Robert E. Lee was a great man. You know, we'll get that and then we'll film the monuments coming down. That's what we tried to do. The only problem was the monuments weren't coming down because the city was sued and someone uh, allegedly firebombed the contractor's car. So now we're sitting with a situation that the short is not happening. The removal is not happening. And literally no one is brave enough to take down the actual monuments, even though the city has decided because there's the threat of vigilante violence. And that's where the film begins. Yeah, there's a there's a, a so, so many wonderful moments, CJ, in the film, but the, the, couldn't couldn't find a crane at one point. Yeah. Right? I mean, just the, just these simple harsh realities of just how deep some of this stuff actually really goes. Yeah. Mitch Landrieu says, you know, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the 
relatively powerful mayor of a city <laughs> that's spending billions on reconstruction. You know, it's it's New Orleans, so they're rebuilding the whole city. And he's like, I can't even find a crane. And he says, you know, in the film, that this is what institutional racism looks like. That you can pass anything, but if you don't have the power and you don't have the 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 literal machinery to move the thing, you're out of luck. And I think that you know, some people fixate on the beginning of the film with the burning Lamborghini as a sign of white supremacy. But also, I think the more accurate sign is a missing crane. The idea that we're not going to burn a cross in your yard, but we're going to make for damn sure that you will not get to do whatever you want with racial justice because we know all of the companies and contractors and people who can remove a monument in this city. Yeah, it's it really is mind-boggling. Hey, just because I want to get another one of those, you know, really important questions out of the way before I ask you about white Let's supremacy. Are you eating a half moon when you're sitting around at the uh, reenactment with um, a, a historian and a few fellow uh, uh, reenactors? Is is how would mm, thank you, thank <laughs> and you. I love I love your beat, CJ. It's this is it's for hysterical. your this is you're in for the, the hard-hitting snack-based portion of. Of, of the, the interview, <laughs> of, of the like, you're in the middle of this profound moment with these guys. You, I think you even say at one point, "This was kind of fun." Yeah, unexpectedly so. Until you started to have this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, to be to be eating, you know, little Debbie's. Shout out to little <laughs> Debbie's. I don't know. We can't do that. Uh, but to be eating, you know, all your favorite junk food and to be eating chili and to have folks cooking for you on an open campfire. You know, I, I grew up in Massachusetts and the New England area. So that's my vibe. You know, I'm like, let's be out at a James Taylor concert style. <laughs> the families are out with the chairs and the barbecues and the blankets and all that stuff. So the idea of camping out for the weekend where everyone's in costume and offering each other food, that's amazing. And I get why people who like to reenact the Civil War, I totally get it. That stuff is fun. I can get it. I can get it. It just happens to be that what they are reenacting, they believe to be not political at all and based in a history where slavery didn't cause the war and was actually pretty fun. And they're pretty open about that in the scene. So that was sort of the get out sunken placeness of of that event well it's just so it's just so in the moment so candid so i mean kind of i don't know if you were going for the satire of that but it was definitely evident for me and just this nonchalant so so tell me more kind of an approach <laughs> yeah. which was which Great. was slavery beautiful. was pretty good tell me about that yeah tell me tell me about that what does christy coleman say it, it it's a beautiful story it it's just not true christy coleman is is amazing christy oh, coleman you know is was the CEO of the American Civil War Museum. And yeah, she says the lost cause is a is a beautiful story. This story that, you know, we had this glorious past and this perfect balance of relationships. And all of a sudden it was gone with the wind because the North came down and imposed their things and slavery wasn't that bad. It's a beautiful story. It's just not true. And I think that that could be the the slogan for the Confederacy. It is a beautiful story about people who are just fighting for home, for honor. That's it. Most of them didn't own slaves. Most of them didn't care about race and they just wanted to protect their home. That story is a lot better than the real story of what folks wrote down about how deeply the Confederacy, the, you have Confederate leaders being like, yo, we are protecting slavery. That's why we're seceding. Sure. If you take away slavery, you destroy our ability to make money. That's what these people wrote down. 
But that's not a fun story. It's not a beautiful story. And I think the film is asking folks to navigate what happens when you base your identity on a story that happens not to be true. Yeah, I mean, you get it, you get into the documentation of it as well. This isn't just a, 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 a an anti narrative to this beautiful story. No, no, hang on a minute. Let's let's look at some of these documents. Let's look yeah. at what some of these leaders actually saw, and we are literally putting them up on a pedestal in 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 profound ways that that actually are are full of meaning. Yeah, I mean, I think. You know, even for most of my life, I did. I was not very prepared for how to respond when someone says it wasn't about slavery. Do you feel prepared to respond to that as a person? Uh, not well. You know what? I don't. I don't know. Not really. I mean, I right? don't. I think no, most I mean, of us are like, yeah, but it was. And right. then when they would say, no, it's not. Robert E. Lee wrote a letter. He's fighting for home. I feel like m- most. Northerners, or I'll at least just speak for myself, I feel like I've spent most of my life pretty deeply unprepared for how to respond to that old myth. CJ, when you say unprepared, you mean you you couldn't pull out quotes or you didn't I can have say, like, well, here, look at this. I document. can say you're wrong. I can say <laughs> right, that's right. not true. Sure. I can say you're in fantasy land. I can say this is racist. But in terms of being able to pull out evidence to go back into the archives and have receipts, to be able to respond to it in a way that is is deeply uh, is 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 uh, irrefutable. I feel like I have no arrows in my quiver, and the goal of the film is to make sure that people feel like you have arrows in the quiver, whether you are in a small town that's still debating whether to take down a monument to faithful slaves, or whether you are a kid and your teacher wants to is teaching the whole class that. You know, it, it was just about states' rights. I want you to watch the film and feel like you can go to any number of documents that are in the film where this evidence is just right in front of us. If you Google secession documents, the first things co- that come up are the individual mm. declarations of causes that, you know, the forefathers of the Confederacy were like the forefathers of America. They declared their reasons. And in almost every first sentence of these things, you see them be like, we're going to make our causes clear. <clears throat> we are firmly identified with the institution of slavery. It is the greatest material wealth on earth. Like they are not, they are not ashamed and they're not scared to say right. that secession is about slavery. It's only after the war that the South starts rewriting that story. And we are still, that story was literally written in stone and we are still trying to undo it from the land now. That's what the film's about. It's fascinating that the UDC and how children are involved and the flag raisings and just so, you know, talk about your, your pedagogy, pedagogical background coming, coming to the forefront, you know, as a school teacher, like just the connections there, right? I guess yeah. your, your teaching career ended when you started trying out all your stand up with the kids. Is that, is that what happened? Yeah. yeah they kind of, ex- they kind of existed <laughs> side by side, you know, the, <laughs> the kids were like, we think you want us to like you too much. You're a pretty fragile man who, who really wants an audience's approval. Yeah. And I was not, like, not much of a teacher, but boy, he's a funny guy. I was yeah. like, yeah, I really do care about audience <laughs> approval, which makes for not a great classroom teacher, but it does make <laughs> right. for a comedian who will work hard. Um, so I, so I continued teaching kids comedy, which felt like a better fit for me well, as I was you know pursuing what? my I mean, own thing. Anyone who doesn't think that comedy can teach, you know, I, I think they need to go back and 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 look at the documents and and Just, look yeah. look at 
the history of comedy, you know? And it's not like we're trying to dress the Confederacy up as funny. You know, I don't even still describe the film as a comedy. I just describe it as as a documentary about the absurdities of the Confederacy. It is naturally funny that that when people are defending the confederacy they will try to say two things they will try to say it wasn't about slavery but also when you think about it slavery wasn't that bad <laughs> that's silly yeah. that is I, silly if i was like david my marriage the breakup of my marriage had nothing to do with me cheating but on the other hand cheating isn't so bad you can't argue both of those things yeah, yeah. it seems so sketchy look it had nothing to do at all with me stepping out and cheating with multiple women but is that really that bad isn't it just a difference in definitions between my constitutional right to pursue other sexual partners you know like like it is silly yeah, to absurd. argue both of those things it is silly that losers would have the most statues in america it is silly that you can write a story into stone and it stays up long enough that people forget that that was just a story. And so I think the film becomes comedic because you can't say these things out loud without either being horrified or laughing at how little sense they make. Yeah, you t- CJ, you touch on such an important point, the complicity of the North, of us all, frankly, right? And I, can we tie that to one of the funniest moments for me in the film where you and your dad are having the conversation about about you denying your, you know, uh, your youth, some of the some of the parts of your youth. And he's like, no, it wasn't like that. And just the beat of that whole scene is quite funny, but it also is a real kind of wake up call to this thing called white supremacy, this thing called systemic racism, and, and just how deep some of these uh, ideas and 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 this these perspect, per, perspectives can go. Can you can you comment on that a little bit? <clears throat> yeah, I can. Shout out to librarians. Um, nice. You know, I'm sponsored by librarians.com, um, but by big library. No, I'm kidding. Um, but shout <laughs> out to just librarians because we wouldn't have been able to make this film without you know, the generosity of folks at like the historic New Orleans collection and um, Tulane special collections, but just librarians who just let me come in and touch the documents with my hands and really dig into these primary sources. So cool. I've done 500, 570 interviews, CJ, and no one's ever done a shout out to librarians. I just, you know, I'm trying to make this my lane, you know, me and librarians. (laughs) No, but we show so many documents in the film because we want students and anyone to realize you can do this at your local library, at your you know, historical preservation society, like they kept all of the receipts where they are talking about how much they're into slavery and how whites are the chosen race. Like they kept all this stuff. And one of the best finds in the film was us finding a receipt of the Robert E. Lee Memorial Association paying Alexander Doyle, a sculptor from New York in the Hinsdale Doyle Company, to make the Robert E. Lee statue that stands 60 feet tall in New Orleans. And you can't think about that without thinking about the complicity of the North, that my whole version of this history was Confederate statues were built by a, a, a soured, angry group of white Southerners, and the North right. just kind of looked away. They didn't just look away. They made some of these statues. They sent Northern representatives down that these statues weren't just put up in the night, that these were ceremonies of reconciliation. So yeah, New York is where our Robert E. Lee statue came from in New Orleans. New York is the city where uh, the guy who proposes to have written Dixie popularized the song Dixie before it then went down to Jefferson Davis's inauguration. The North, the North has made so many of the minstrel songs 
that became so famous. Where do you think Birth of a Nation was shot? You think it was shot in the South? It was shot on a back lot in LA, Gone with the Wind, you, like all of these things that made the Confederacy in popular imagination. So much of that was made in the North. And I think that's what we are trying to hit home with this film, that this isn't just a shaking our heads at the Confederacy. This right. is about the nation that chose to tell a different story about the Civil War, not a story about white people who would go to war to hold on to the ability to make black people property, not a story about a nation abandoning black freedom after the war, but a story just about white people who had just a difference of opinion and it's brothers and we can be friends again. So I think those scenes with my dad are about that, that, you know, those are things that he drilled into me that became sort of a center of my identity about the things that we tell about the nation's history are a lie. So what are you going to do with that lie? Yeah, uh, re re responsibility. What I, I think one of the things I love about your film, um, and, there, and there's so many things about it. By the way, I don't think I've said congratulations, but if if it isn't evident, I, I love the film on on so many levels, and I, I hope everyone sees it. And I think there's a. Do you love it as much as you love librarians? I well, you know what, my wife's a librarian, so she's a teacher so, librarian. So yeah. So, so you love the film as much as you love your wife. You've said it on <laughs> radio. Right. Thank you for saying that out loud. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, ha yeah, yeah. Um, nice. And you know what? Sadly, I don't have a comeback for that. Yeah, you know, we need more. We need more arrows in the quiver. We well, we need more librarians. Is what we need. Yes, yes. <laughs> we mean we need more librarians in the quiver. But thank um, you, thank you for thank you for liking the film. And you know, it, it's it's really nice to it's really nice to talk to you because it's obvious that you are thinking a lot about it and. Well, you know, I think the things I hope the things that you like are the things the audiences are going to really like. I, I hope so too, CJ. And I, I mean, I hope I hope there's a day when 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 we we can look back in our lifetime and know that a film like this, that this new story, it seems to me, that's being told about global history, frankly, you know, colonialism, mm -hmm. et cetera. What, what is this thing called white supremacy and so on? Cause it, it, we, we do need to unpack it. I hope we can look back and go, our kids, kids are actually watching films like the neutral ground and so on and saying, uh, my perspective, uh, it has been now, uh, changed as a result. My worldview has been influenced by this and now I can't go back. I think yeah. that's the beautiful thing about, about your film and, and the story that you're telling. I mean, I think my, not I think, uh, my dad says that in the film. He goes, once you're awake, you can never go back to sleep. And I think that's what is so scary to folks about moving monuments that I think that to acknowledge that, you know, to, to acknowledge that Robert E. Lee was fighting for the army of slavery. Who else do we have to take down? Do we then have to acknowledge that Thomas Jefferson was somebody who raped slaves? Do we then have to acknowledge uh, that that Columbus uh, participated in, in one of the largest genocides in the world? Do we have to acknowledge that Andrew Jackson was the author of the Trail of Tears? That that everything it's we are so invested in right? America about being like a story of these great men, and then when you realize that the men weren't so great and they were put up by people really invested in white supremacy. I think there is a genuine worry that the whole ball will unravel. And I think so when people ask, you know, if we do this, what's next? They're not doing that in good faith. They're asking that question to stop a conversation with this film. Right. We are seriously saying, yes, what is next? Who, who's the historian who's sitting around the, 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 the chili and the fire 
uh, when you're reading the half moon or whatever the heck it is. And, and you, you've established, you've, you've, you've developed a bit of a relationship with him, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, throughout the film. And, and he's kind of, uh, I don't know, what would you call him? Kind he's of not a, a historian. He is, um, his name is Thomas Taylor and he's the, thank you. he was at the time, the Louisiana head of the Louisiana sons of Confederate veterans. And the Sons of Confederate Veterans are a membership-based organization about descendants of Confederate veterans. So I think I think the proper term is a heritage group, a Confederate heritage group. Got it. Um, but they view themselves as historians and, and of sort course. of history keepers. So yeah, part right, of the tension right. or journey of the film is that we couldn't find anyone who was... Uh, a member of the Sons of Confederate Veterans who was suing New Orleans to keep the monuments in place. None of them were talking on camera. So we found the highest ranking person in the state, um, Thomas, and we develop a relationship in the film because I think that he starts to believe that he can change me to his side. And I think as a filmmaker, I started to believe that I can, that if, if only another meeting, if only a new state of facts, if only a different... Sure. level of personal relationship that I can get him to change his mind. And I don't want to ruin how the film goes, but I do think that no, for sure. that part of the film, it, I have had people say how that relationship turns out really surprises me. And I think that is because we want, not we, Americans want stories like Green Book. We want to believe that when it comes to white supremacy, it's just a matter of realizing how men, how much we have in common. Um, and I think the relationship with Thomas Taylor in the film plays into what audiences come to expect when two people from different sides of the divide come together to talk about history. Yeah, no, I think it's great. I, I, and I'm so glad you included it because I think I think it does show how deep these uh, these ideological kind of worldviews actually go and how we all are in some way. I mean, who was it? Dostoevsky who said, uh, we are all responsible and I mm. more than the rest. Like we're all a part of this, right? In mm. some, right? So, so, so how can we actually push back against that status quo like mindset that, that where, where he, when he responds to you and says, Hey, what can I do? Can I go to like a, a jazz museum or something? I think you say, and he you say, says, you, can I go to jazz fest? Jazz and for those, fest. for those viewers who are out there, if you are looking for a genuine perspective on, on how black people experience the world and how they think about their history, New Orleans Jazz, Jazz Fest is not necessarily the place. I would recommend a number of museums. Yeah, you might want to go there, but you that might start not with be the museums. Best place, you can start with yeah. your personal relationships, but going to a yeah. jazz fest to learn about Black history is not this. Well, not the his, place. you know, and I don't want to spoil it either for viewers because I, I hope we've given you lots of reasons, uh, listeners, to to check this film out. But but his reaction to to your response is quite remarkable and quite maybe let's spoil it we can spoil okay it. go He'd, go spoil it he he does not he responds you know my, my my response is he asks you've come all this way to see how we see the world what <laughs> he's could trying we to empathize with do? you cj i mean it is a moment of genuine empathy you know it, it is i think and he says what could we possibly do to see things from your perspective and i say simply we could go to a slavery museum louisiana is home to all of these plantations. And there's an incredible plantation called the Whitney that has transformed itself into a museum and does what most plantations don't do, which is give a whole tour and focus on the lives of the enslaved. So I say back to him, well, let's just go to a slavery museum. And he is firmly against it and thinks that it's all bull. (laughs) And I think that that film 
hits for folks because it shows that this narrative of let's just meet in the middle, you know, I, I'm responding in good faith, you're in good faith, I'll come see it from your perspective. I think that scene resonates because it feels like relationships that they've had of folks who are upholding white supremacy aren't actually interested in seeing life from the perspective of, of someone who is oppressed. It is not a genuine desire to actually meet in the middle. And I think that's something that we're playing with the film and we're playing with in the title of the film. CJ, can you help uh, me? Spoiled! Uh, I, there we go. Yeah. Hashtag spoiled. Hashtag I, by the spoiled. way, I love that. I love the early hashtag. Sorry, I'm not sorry. That's uh, got to be Thank one you. of my favorite hashtags of all time now. Yeah. Thanks. For Thank that. you. Yeah. Robert E. Lee is the embodiment of the hashtag. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. I'd love to have seen his Twitter account. Oh, yeah. 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 But if we deleted any of those tweets now, uh, you know, that's destroying history. Yeah, exactly. So so can you can you how would you define white supremacy? It, can it be done? I mean, this is a complicated, the whole thing is complicated. I think one of the takeaways for me was, from this was, and I think this is where I was going with Thomas's part of his story in your film. How do you convince someone who's on, and I hate to do the, the dualistic notion here, but go, how do you convince somebody who's on the other side? Can you? Do you just present an argument? Are you preaching to the converted? Your dad even talks about hope at the end of the film, and I think there's a big question mark around that. And I, 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 I don't know, am I, am I too arrogant, or, or do I think too much of myself to think I can change the world? I mean, I, I still feel like I can. Uh, in some, right? I mean, anyway, I'm sort of, I don't want to answer my own question, but I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on that. Did you bring me on just to answer whether you can change the world? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's a personal hey, struggle. CJ, just so we're clear, this your interview Your therapist is like, me. stop bringing it up. Okay, <laughs> stop right. bringing it up. And you're like, I have a show. That's I'll bring right. it up on the show. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I can no longer afford therapy. I'm doing it through my podcast. It's, 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 yeah, it's, I know. Help. That's what podcasts are. Um, but I, a couple of things. I, I think that white supremacy, white, white people talk about white supremacy as if it is just the KKK. There is a definition of white supremacy about men marching in the dark with torches going, you will not replace us. And I think most white people think that is white supremacy. What I am involved with is not white supremacy. But white supremacy isn't just that fringe. White supremacy is a story that we tell in America about the past. White supremacy is a story that we, that we tell about how black people really haven't gone through something terrible or that if they were going through something terrible, it is over now and they just need to get over it and stop bringing it up because when they bring it up, it's divisive. Um, so I think the film is getting folks to realize how many of us are wrapped up still in white supremacy. And there's no clearer example of that than monuments to enslavers that still exist on our landscape, whose highest concentrations are all in cities with the highest concentrations of black people. New Orleans, Richmond, Atlanta, like that is white supremacy. And white supremacy is also the thing that makes you not only look away from what happened to black people in the past, but what is happening to black people now. You do not have to hate black people to be a white supremacist. You just have to consistently not believe them. So when folks are saying, oh, you know, George Floyd, why was he resisting? Or, you know, why was this other black man? Why did he run? Like that is a version of white supremacy as well. That, that it is the oldest force in America that tells us 
look away, look away, look away. Shout out to the the makers of the song Dixie. So that is what the, that is what the film is about, and that is what we are trying to spotlight. And I began this film, and for most of the making of the film, very much believed there are folks on the other side who you can convince. Now that we are rolling out the film, and I am on the other side of going to all these plantations and uh, you know conf- civil war reenactments and talking for years and years to people who ascribe to white supremacy, I don't. I don't know if I believe that we can convince people on the other side, and I don't think it's our job. I think that those folks are lost in a dream, and the question is, where do you spend your energy? So David, you can absolutely change the world, but you will do so less quickly if you believe that your energy is best spent on people who don't believe that racism is real. Our film talks to people in the middle. Our film talks to people who haven't really thought it out. These aren't no one's right. going to come out of this film and be like, you know what? I'm going to leave my Confederate heritage group. But folks will come out of this going, you know what? I hadn't really thought about it. I grew up on this whole states' rights thing. It didn't make sense then. And now this film shows me that that's straight up propaganda. You know, our film will not work for Thomas Taylor, but it might work for his kids, for his grandkids. And I think that should be the model of change. It's not a green book. How do we make white supremacists heart grow three sizes. I do think it is about how do you just tell the truth out loud and how do you empower black and brown and queer people to realize that we can stand against this. Since George Floyd was murdered, over a hundred Confederate monuments have come down. That's power. And I think our model of change needs to be focused on what can we get accomplished when we are no longer worried about what is needed to change a white supremacist's opinion. So, okay, I have to ask it. And we does that make wrap sense? Up in a, it does. And we got to wrap up in a couple of minutes and so much wise advice. How did you wind up as a comedian? You don't need to answer that. Like, honestly, man, you should be lecturing. You should be writing. You're making films. I'm so thrilled about that. But honestly, there's a wise, there's just, uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, sagaciousness. There you go. How's Ooh, that? Sagacious. I love sagacious. it. That, that word sounds nasty, but it it's does. very academic. It does. I love it. And you might I'm have feeling to sagacious, baby. You might have to consult your local librarian to find out what it means. I'm oh, not yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do not yeah. use the internet. Go go to yeah. your library to figure out what so sagacious means. I gotta I gotta ask this last question. And I know you gotta wrap. We gotta go. And I what a what a pleasure meeting you and, and getting to chat about the film. And honestly, I hope everybody sees it. Is hope then I think I heard this, is hope then about the future. It's it's really rooted in not not spending my time convincing somebody of the right propositional argument and pulling out those documents or showing them the inscription on the white league statue, but actually saying, you know what? No, this is, this is about what's next. This is about stepping into the future. Yes. A quick logistical plug. We are, we are at Tribeca June 19th. Thank you. And we are on POV on PBS on the night of July 5th. Beautiful. And I say that, and I say that in a wrap up just to be like, you, you have an opportunity. If, if you are excited about this, uh, go see the film. But I'm asking you not because I need you to see the film, but because that is where we will be extending this conversation. Um, and I do think that the question about hope is we are the organizers in New Orleans who are, who have successfully gotten these statues down. And the historians that we talk to all say essentially the same thing, which is this is a truth test. Can we tell the truth 
about aspects of America that are messy. If we cannot tell the truth about literally the clearest, worst thing, which is slavery, how the hell are we going to tell the truth about the present? If your whole understanding about being good and a good American and a good Southerner requires you to look away from what has happened to Black people in the past, how are you understanding what is happening to them in the future? How are you understanding what is happening to them right now? And I think that that is the... That is the question before us. It's not, should we have hope? Is white supremacy going to win? It is The central question is, can we be honest? Do we have what it mm, takes good. to be honest out loud Authentic. in public? And we see that when folks are honest, like Nicole Hannah-Jones in the 1619 Project, they are punished. We are seeing a conservative backlash saying, teach our kids less. Do not teach them that they are white. Do not teach them the history of white supremacy. So the question before us in regards to the police that continue to kill black people, in regards to what is happening in our schools is, are we going to look away or can we look it in the face and tell the truth? Oh, honest, out loud in public. We've been talking to CJ Hunt here today. What a, what a, honestly, thrilling to have you on the show, man. Really, really. A su- I've loved I hope it. You, I, hope, I hope you come back. Love I will to do absolutely come back. It may and take a while before my next film because these things apparently take a little while. But I will and absolutely gonna, be back. Can I start a Kickstarter campaign for you on getting you a new microphone? Is that? Can we oh, do that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's been my long game in coming on. I just need that mic money. <laughs> thanks thanks for being on the show today CJ. thank you everyone check out the kickstarter for the microphone <laughs> absolutely thanks david i really appreciate it this has been great well there you have it my interview with cj hunt what a pleasure it was to have him on the show i hope you enjoyed that if you did please give us a thumbs up on youtube if that's where you're listening if you're listening on itunes or acast or spotify leave us a review we'd really appreciate it it's it's so important what a what a pleasure it was to have cj on the show we had a whole uh, a lot of a truckload of fun i think talking about some pretty serious issues and his brilliant and beautiful moving compassionate and really funny new film the neutral ground it's it's one of those it's a, it's a great film it's an important film you need to check it out and uh don't forget you can you can watch it in in the u.s on pbs pbs.org and also uh in canada through something called the wned passport so check that out wned.org for our canadian listeners and if you want to find out more about the film neutralgroundfilm.com what a pleasure uh, once again cj thanks for your time uh, today thank you for listening to face to face my name is david peck hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 